Hi, you're listening to Under the Radar. Between the main episodes where we feature our big band or artist interviews is this space, where I shed some light about the making of the current episode and read a review or email we might have received from you. We also invite a listener who's written us a review to come on the show and chat about the episode and what resonated with them. So if you're interested in being featured, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or you can email me at celine.toblocky at undertheradarmag.com. If you didn't catch that, it's in our show notes. Today we're talking about our August episode featuring DJ, composer, producer Adrian Young. Adrian Young has taken it upon himself to try and educate us all about the history of racism in America. As you can imagine, it's a huge undertaking. For a while now, I've been very conscious about centering other voices. For example, in the indie music space, the dominant voices have always been cisgendered white men. Um, With the podcast, as far as possible, I've tried to include diverse voices of as many stripes as I can. But it's not at the complete exclusion of bands like The Flaming Lips or Travis. But we're just making space for people like trans punk rocker Ezra Furman, who is in season one, or indigenous queer artist Black Belt Eagle Scout, also in season one. And still to come for us in season two, we have uh, Julian Baker and Jamie Stewart of Shushu. So we try to be inclusive. But conversations about race, when you have to say white people or black people in these binary terms and, and sometimes set up against each other, is difficult and uncomfortable. Listen to this tape. Adrian and I are discussing how, when you have white privilege, it can be so much harder for you to see the injustices that you can perpetuate. Now, with everything that's going on, do you think you know, that a lot more uncomfortable, awkward conversations for white people. I mean, the people that are paying attention, do you think they look in the mirror now and see themselves as this role of oppressor that they've played just by virtue of the fact that they're white? Or do you think it's still kind of so couched in that they're the dominant race at the moment still? So a lot of white people still don't see that. See, I'm going to say it's, if you're not educated, it's just hard to see, first of all. And I'm not going to say it's any more mm-hmm. difficult to see now than it was. Or let me rephrase. I'm not going to say that they have any more of a problem seeing it now than they used to. Because there was a time when it was actually the writing on the wall. That whites only. <laughs> no blacks allowed, you know. Um, and they have the same trouble back then that they have now, you know, like when we're talking about, when we're looking at statistics, when we're looking at the insurmountable handicaps that black people have to deal with in order to become equal or be, or be treated equal, like it's, it's quite apparent. You can't really deny it, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's not, it's not that hard for them to see mm-hmm. if they educate themselves, they could see how synonymous these times are to the times where they can confirm that there was racism. We also discuss having mixed race kids 
and how I've never needed to discuss race with my husband or children until last summer's race reckoning in America. Right. The good conversation to have. I mean, my, my wife's Filipino. So just the concept of being mixed, you know, you have two different cultures, two different ethnicities coming together as one. It's a beautiful thing. And you do have to listen. And if you can't see what generations and generations and generations of people have been saying, then you're just being intransigent or, you know, you just have some sort of, it's like an intentional impasse or something. Like, it's just like, yo, you can't Mm -hmm. see what people are talking about. A lot of people just don't want to see it, you know? So it's just, it's just, but it's just really Mm -hmm. education. It is education. So if you haven't yet, please go listen to the episode and educate yourself. And now we get to read a review. This is from JJ who writes, Adrian Young has courageously taken on the battle of unraveling racism in America, and I'm not too sure there's anyone more equipped for the task. Awesome interview. He's gained a new fan. Yay! That's five stars. And we have the mysterious JJ, one half of emo rap duo Rochambeau. I'm Jay the homie of Rochambeau. Jay the homie is an LA-based MC, originally from Virginia. His writing partner, producer Mikey Soul, still lives out there. He makes the beats and Jay the homie writes the lyrics. And like a very modern band, they meet over FaceTime and do their work that way. Rochambeau, me and my boy Mikey, we got together from being friends in high school. He literally just posted on Facebook one day. He was like, oh, like I need to go find some like vinyls. And I commented, I was, just, I was like, yo, you produce? <laughs> and then he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, we do like kick it and like, you know, write some songs one day. And like, we, I mean, we were already good friends before that. But like, that's kind of like how we got into making music together. Rochambeau have been releasing singles and EPs. And quite early, they got a boost when a bigger electronic duo shared one of their tracks. The Chainsmokers, they reposted on their page. That was like the first time like like labels and like A&Rs like started reaching out to us. Jay and his partner are influenced by the soundtracks of Japanese anime. Not classic Morricone soundtracks from the 60s like Adrian Young. Nonetheless, Jay was captivated by Adrian's album The American Negro you were saying that you listened to the Adrian Young episode. Tell us what's one or two things about the episode that really struck you. Yes. One, he's he's just like, I don't know, just an incredible just human being, just listening to him talk. So knowledgeable. I love the role that he's taking to say like, yo, a lot of the racism that is in this country isn't really being highlighted and it hasn't really been shown and it's not being taught in public schools or private schools. I'm going to take it upon myself to, to, to use my platform and my, and my music to like really like show like what's going on and like, or what, what was going on in the past and 
It was, it was quite the history lesson. I loved it. I learned so much off of it. He talks about race being a social construct. When we're kids, we don't actually think about the color of our skin. Like, but some of us become aware of it older than others. You grew up in Virginia. What was that like? And what was the first time you became aware? Oh, you know, there's something about the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I. I don't know if there was like ever like like a specific moment like i don't know i feel like i definitely like growing up just like young like as like a kid i was always if not like racism definitely the difference between white and black because with my parents they're african so they're nigerian so they just like always kind of like taught us like the kids like life may be a little rougher for you because of the color of your skin you know because you're black and like you have to like, work five times harder than like the white man to to get like kind of the same things I don't know like I, that was just something that they really like kind of installed into us, um, but I grew up in a very like suburban area so I was always the only like black kid in my classes for, in like elementary school always just like knew like all right I'm <laughs> I, I'm different than, <laughs> than everyone else that's around me um, they're they're doing different things like I don't know I feel like my parents were always like kind of like struggling a bit to to make ends meet so it's like yeah they're they're doing the vacations and all of that like this is like and I don't want to say this is like their white right, I don't know if I feel like that's just like a a money privilege mm-hmm. maybe but I feel like I was always like some somewhat aware and then as I got older I feel like I like definitely like started to un- understand yeah. things in a more concrete sense. He understood that certain privileges weren't available to him. And as a kid, the name-calling and being teased was something that he just had to get used to. Like, growing up with, like, other white kids, it was always, I, my, my skin color was always, like, the, the top of, like, the subject or whatever, you know. It was always, like, some sort of joke going on about, like, oh, like, you know, I'm like this, I'm like that. But um, I feel like the one that, like, really, like, hit me as a kid, like, really hard was in fifth grade. And like I said, in elementary school, I was always like kind of the only like black kid or whatever. And that always made me like a little insecure, you know, I, I just felt like the the odd the odd man out pretty much. And like it was like mid mid through the year, there was another like black kid, black girl like moved into the neighborhood. So she like came into our class and like everyone in my class, all, all these white kids are like, and then I'm a kid. So this is like some immature stuff, but they're like. Oh my God! Like uh, Jay, Jay, and like the new girl. You guys have to like date now. You guys have to like get married now. Oh, there's like another black girl, that type of thing. I was so embarrassed. But I remember I cried. I cried. I was like, why? Why am I so outcasted? Because because I'm black. Why does this always have to be a thing? I feel like that was the first time it like really like sunk deep. Wow. Yeah, on like a tangible level. Yeah. In the episode, Adrian talks about how America's history books are inadequate and they fail to address this problem of race in any robust way. Jay and I discussed how in school, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X are often set against each other in very black and white terms. One is set up as the good guy and the other bad, when the truth is so much more complex than that. Well, yeah, to, for one, to go on, like, the whole Malcolm X thing, like, that is so right. I feel like in schools, it would be like, all right, yeah, I'm okay. This is, like, the right way to do it. And then Malcolm X, like, yeah, he was trying to fight racism, but he he was just doing it in a, in a very, like, wrong and abrasive way. I feel like like that's kind of definitely, like, how things were taught. 
But um, I would say I started digging deeper, um, definitely like after high school, mm-hmm. just doing my own research, buying books and, re- and reading up on like different things and like documentaries. Mm. And especially during all the protests that, you know, were going on last year in 2020, I feel like that was just like a time to like take a step back and, and think like, dang, like, let me like read up and like really see like what's kind of going on in the world and what's been going on in the country. Mm. Do you write about it? Do you feel like in, inspired enough to like write about it in your music or anything? Or do you like stay away from it? Because I feel like I've spoken to to artists who are like, that's labor. That's like hard work. That's why I feel like Adrian Young is kind of taken on this mantle of I'm going to educate you because it's actually quite hard work, right? To go into that and to have to see some of the things that you find out and to make it kind of like your burden to educate other people. That is a different kind of cross to bear. And there's, there are some artists who are like, just because I'm black doesn't mean I have to keep talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, But what about you? How do you feel about it? That definitely is like a thought. It's like, all right, because I'm black, I, I feel like I have to be like writing about these things. I have to be talking about like the st- the state of the world or the state of the country or, or of our people i think um it really just comes to a matter of um if it, if it's on your heart then then do it but if if you feel like it's it's a forced thing then no and and there was something i forget where i heard it i think it was in like an interview or maybe a documentary which made me feel really good but it was like like as black people or just like people of color just in general you Creating art is good enough. Just showing up, you know. True. I mean, that that's why I feel it's a little bit like when you're in office situations and they have to do like um, diversity, inclusion, they always get the black person or the Asian <laughs> person to be in charge of it, like as if yeah. it isn't hard enough for them <laughs> to like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just crazy because it's just like because we're black and we're and, and 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 I don't even want to say just like black. I feel like it's for every like you know race, especially in America, because like we're all like minorities. But it's like because you're a minority, you're expected to to like hold this like mantle of being like the spokesperson of all of like the wrongs or whatever that's going on. And it's just like dang, I kind of just want to be a human being. Yeah, <laughs> like that. And I feel like that's a part of white privilege. Like a part of white privilege is not having to speak for your entire like race anytime you do anything but it's like as a person of color it's like there's that extra burden of of needing to speak and th- and that's why like i commend adrian young so much for for doing it and doing it so well that album is so good man it's like it's such a story it's wild and hearing him speak on it too and just talk about everything in detail afterwards in that, in that, in that interview is just amazing I loved it. Did you go back and listen to the album after you listened to the podcast? Did you listen to some of the music like separately? Yeah, no. Well, one, I listened to the podcast like three times and I, and I listened to the album once. <laughs> so, yeah, so I did. I did a lot of research on it. But yeah, the album is amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to it three times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very dense, isn't it? Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's too dense. <laughs> it's like there's so much in there. But I think it's also no, partly... It's <laughs> because he's talking about like really, really deep historical things and he's giving, yeah. trying to give you so much background about why we behave the way we do in America and like mm-hmm. these, like breaking down certain concepts. I mean, I found it 
hard to understand, you know, like Double Consciousness, which is only the title of one song. And maybe he mentions it once. And I'm like, what does double consciousness mean again? And that kind of idea that if you're white and you look in the mirror, all you see is like a white person, you know, uh-huh. but if you're black, like you're what you're saying, your parents have told you, it's like, okay, first of all, your your life is going to be a bit harder. You're going to have to work five times as hard as a white person to get the same recognition. And also what he says is you are part of the problem of America. To him, he said, like, I'm not just that cool Adrian Young producer person who's confident you're seeing through a different set of eyes and you always have to be aware all that stuff is like just so interesting you know i'd never even heard of that before what about you have you heard about some of those concepts uh the double consciousness thing uh maybe i i don't think it's something that like it's something i like knew about but i don't think it's ever anything that like placed like a a label on but like when he when Mm. he said that i was just like oh yeah like that's (laughs) <laughs> that's a hundred percent like my experience like a to- it makes total sense definitely growing up as a kid like i was i was just always like super aware of of my race at all times um and you you mentioned something and i find this was like so incredibly um kind of hard to talk about uh was the lynching postcards oh um, yeah. yeah yeah and like you you said you had no idea as well about the history of the postcards. Yeah, yeah, I had never heard of of like the lynching postcards. That was like wild when um when he brought that up. Like it's just so barbaric. Like yeah, like he wanted to use the picture of himself being hung because these lynching postcards they used to be like a tourist thing almost. Like if you go to the Eiffel Tower and you buy a postcard and you write a postcard, and you say I was there. It's like those lynching postcards were exactly what they were, which is just horrific. But I guess talking about it and getting other people to understand that there is this history of it, it's so, so shocking, but it also really kind of explains some Mm -hmm. of the history of where we are today. This is where we've come from. So Mm -hmm. it it makes sense that some people have never really gotten over it and we have to talk about it. That um, brings me to, I remember during like quarantine was like when things were like first kind of opening up. Uh, I was going to like a bar with like with uh, one of my friends and she's white and we're like going to like go hit up the 7-Eleven or whatever. But I didn't have my mask and she was wearing a bandana (laughs) and she's like, oh, you could just use my bandana or whatever. He's as a mask. And I was like. Man, I'm black. I can't go. I can't go into a Seven Eleven with a bandana <laughs> over my face. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Do you know how that's gonna look? Yeah, right. Like jokingly, but also being serious. And then she was just wow. like, "Oh, why does everything have to like be about race? Like, why do you have to like think so negatively?" Blah blah. blah. And I was just like, "Oh, wait, whoa! Like, actually, let me like, because like I said it was a joke, but like, dang, like she." Like, that's all like a real thing, though. Like, let me like explain this to her. And I realized some people just don't know. And her comment at first, I was like offended by it, but I was just like, it's not like her fault, you know, if she doesn't have like, I mean, it might be her fault, you know, like, you know, maybe do like your research and stuff like that. But like at the same time, you know, some people like genuinely don't know. And I don't think it always comes from like a bad place, but just, mm. it's just a, it's just a conversation that isn't like had a lot of time. So I had to explain to her, I was like, yo, like, I am seen and viewed differently <laughs> than, than other people just because I'm black. Like I've gone into stores and I've been I've been accused of stealing in 7-Elevens before, like multiple times, like back home, just because I'm black and I would have to like 
empty my pockets and yeah. show like, yo, there's nothing in here. I'm fine. There's a stereotype about like, you know, mm. black people about, you know, like being like thugs, being like this, that, and the third. And like me wearing a bandana isn't, <laughs> isn't the best look. And it's not to say like anything that's like really helped me out. Like I feel like they're going to think I'm looting the joint. That was like a really like good learning experience. Just seeing it seeing things from like her perspective of her just i don't know i don't want to use harsh words but like, i don't know just like the ignorance of it of them like just i don't know we just there needs to be like more conversation there need to be more talks because we're just living in opposite worlds and unless we like interact and speak about things like no one's really gonna no one's really gonna get it and it's gonna be hard to move forward yeah I feel like it's like there's so many of these awkward conversations that you you have to have that you have to try and find like safe spaces to talk with your friends and your friends feel they have a safe space talking with you about it. And inevitably, there is always some kind of awkwardness that comes out of it. You know, either you're like, damn, do I have to like school you on this stuff? <laughs> you know? And then on the other hand, they're like, oh my God, I feel so awful that I, I didn't even think about it from that perspective. That makes so much sense. And then, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, maybe I should just not talk about it with them. But actually, it really is worth having those awkward conversations, right? Definitely some awkward conversations, but it's it's worth it at the end of it. And he's kind of spoke more on that, too, at the end of the interview. He was saying, like, racism isn't necessarily always intentional. It's it's like, I guess, um, I don't think he said this word for word, but it's like kind of a subconscious thing because it's like just built into this country. It's like they become like custom mm -hmm, that people think yeah. this is how you, you act. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And another thing that he said that I liked a lot, too, is that like, Although we're not really, like, where we want to be, like, things definitely are, like, sort of getting better, too, at the same time. It's, like, it's it's best to have, like, a positive outlook. Just be happy at the end of the day. Like, you know, learn, learn as much as you can. Like, do your research on the ills of, like, the of the nation. But still, at the same time, um, do, do your best to just, like, still, like, live and, like, have a happy life despite all of it. Yeah, like a little bit like what you were saying earlier on, just the fact that you are just living your life and making your music and yeah. showing up. Things are always moving forward, even though mm -hmm. it sometimes feels like it's going backwards. Yeah. The truth is it's always getting better, which I think mm -hmm. is such a kind of positive way to see it. Yeah. I hope you've all enjoyed this bite-sized episode, or at least it's been educational. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, apps like Overcast and Podchaser, wherever you get your podcasts, so you don't miss next month's episode. Thank you again, Jay the Homie from Rochambeau. Go check the music out on Spotify. As Jay would say, it's a vibe. I'll let him tell you how to reach them and take us out with this track, Ego Death, from their Emergency EP. Till next time. So we are Rochambeau across the board on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Music, all of that. It's a crazy name to spell. I'm going to spell it out for you guys right now. 
R-O-E-S-H-A-M-B-E-A-U-X. It's wild. Follow us on everything. We're a good time. Cool. Um, is Rochambeau that game? Yeah, yeah. So it's like rock, paper, scissors. Wait, do you want to play? Do you want to play real quick? Okay. Rochambeau. Oh, dang. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't say you're always rocking the third scissors. Dang, see? That's like, it's a mind game. It's a mind game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mind game. Wonder where we'll be reading under trees Wonder where we'll be